Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their organizations into industry leaders. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I am also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I'm delighted that today we are joined by Chris Griffiths. Chris is the author of The Creative Thinking Handbook, Your Step-by-Step Guide to Problem-Solving in Business. He's the founder and CEO of Open Genius. Chris has helped thousands of people worldwide drive business growth using highly practical innovation processes, including team and individuals from Fortune 500 and FTSE 100 companies, the United Nations, governments, the European Commission, and Nobel laureates. He's a pioneer in combining creative thinking strategies with technology to enhance productivity. And and as we move into this segment, Chris will tell you more about himself. I want this Voice America series to provide valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders that will prepare them to lead their organizations in the dynamic times we're currently facing. The most effective leaders we have, the better the journey we travel. Also, I want to invite our global audiences to find ways to navigate the complexities of working internationally such that we create the future that we'd all like to see. So the session outcome for today, outmoded ways of thinking through problems will no longer suffice in a world where change is constant. To keep ahead of the competition, companies need to seek out innovation. Leaders need to be creative to help their employees thrive, not just survive. By applying the ideas and methods Chris discusses from the Creative Thinking Handbook, leaders will be able to have confidence in the quality of their solutions, adopt new ways of thinking and habits, attitudes and beliefs, and embed creative culture in their companies. So, Chris, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm really excited to, to, to be here and talking to you today. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background and Open Genius and your book? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to. I mean, I've always had uh, a passion for understanding innovation, but I guess where it came from was um, a, a reasonably failed uh, academic upbringing. Uh, I, was, I was born in the U.S., but lived most of my life in, in the U.K., and I really enjoyed technology. And in the UK, we have um, what's called A-level examinations when you're 18 years old, and they determine which university you go to uh, in in the UK. So it's so important to do well in your A-levels. Now, my passion for computers led me to believe that I I would get the highest mark you could possibly ever get in technology. Um, (laughs) I actually got 
the lowest mark you could get, which was an unclassified. It was a it was a U, and um, this was a big wake up call for me because um, at that time I'd already published sev- several computer games. Uh, I'd already set up my own company, and here's the educational system telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I had a love for technology. And I think that's really what led me into this this whole field of understanding uh, modern brain-based learning theory and the, the study and research behind uh, creativity and innovation. And what I like to do is merge that with my other passions, which is sharing this information, which we do uh, through our books. Uh, Melina is my co-author and um, we've worked together for nearly two decades. So we, we've spent a long time uh, researching this area. And uh, we have a, a, a training network, a network of um, experts and consultants in creativity and innovation that operate around the world. And we also have a, a, a technology arm um, our mind mapping products uh, have been used by over a, a million people and our task management products are, are, are used by half a million people around the world. So this gives us a great uh, insight into uh, real world innovation and what it takes to actually make things happen, both from mindset and technology and people and environment. Uh, and that's, that's really where, where, where I've come from and what Open Genius is, is all about. You know, I love how comprehensive or holistic your solution is. And it's one of the things I think differentiates really successful innovators is you do understand that there's a mindset, there are behaviors, there are cultures, there are systems all at play that either accelerate or service barriers. It's, it's such a key fundamental point because so many people today believe that innovation is an event. They treat it like an event. They have a problem and they try and overcome that problem at that time. But innovation is not an event. Innovation is a process that has to be continuous. So um, exactly what you were saying, to be able to embed um, a holistic approach to creativity and innovation is, is not just necessary. It's the only way you are ever going to be effective. Well, and one of the things we talked about in the intro is at this point in the evolution of our civilization, change is accelerating. The, the phrase, this is the slowest day you'll have in the rest of your life, <laughs> uh, is, is a bit frightening. Um, but it's true. Right? Uh, ab- absolutely, it is. I mean, we, we live in a, in, in a fast place a fast-paced um, environment. We've never seen anything like it before. Um, people used to say, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And that isn't even true in today's world, because if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get left way behind as everyone um, progresses ahead of you. So, yes, we, we, we need to understand that we're moving into another age. Um, you, we, we need a different type of thinking. We need a different type of values placed on the way that people um, operate um, both in and out of work. And, and I think this is really why, you know, you, you and, and myself and others in our field are really trying as hard as we can to get this message across to people. Well, and I really appreciate that in your book and on your website, you've created practical tools for people like me who know what we know and there's a whole bunch of stuff we don't know. And you make it really approachable where I don't feel stupid. 
<laughs> that, that, that's great to hear. And, and actually, you know, that, that makes me really happy to hear because um, the, the, the book that uh, Melina and I wrote was there to be practical. Um, it's not rocket science to, to actually practice uh, innovation in an efficient way is common sense. But we're all running so quickly today that common sense is no longer common because you haven't got any time to think about it. Um, so we just wanted to create um, a very simple system and process, a system and process that can be utilized by individuals trying to overcome problems or businesses trying to work with their team to, uh, to improve products, overcome challenges and so on. So to build on that, then, how do you encourage and advise businesses to embrace innovation as part of their growth process? Because as you've said, if I do what I've always done, I'm getting diminishing returns. Yes. So I, it's really a problem to just stay in the status quo right now. Well, I think the really great thing at the moment is we don't have to convince them because, um, you know, businesses are coming to us because they know they have to do that. It, it, it is a necessity they, that they must um, innovate at a quick pace. Otherwise, they won't survive. It, it, it simply is um, a matter of fact. And I, I think that um, an understanding is now starting to happen that people realize that information, data, research um, it just, it's no longer the power. Knowledge is no longer power. The use of knowledge isn't even power. It's the creation of new knowledge which gives individuals and corporations real power. And to create new knowledge, you have to innovate. Interesting. So the use of knowledge is no longer power because what I have access to, most other people do. Exactly. So I have to create something new to to be ahead of the pack. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and back to the point of if I'm not moving ahead, I really am likely sliding behind because others are moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I mean, what, what we're finding as an organization, and we, we, we have our um, experts and consultants uh, uh, all, all across the globe, is that there is a realization that this is necessary. Um, however, however, whilst people understand that they need to innovate, they don't really know what that word means. Um, it's, a, it's a word that's just thrown out there. We've got to be more creative. Uh, we've got to have creative leadership. Um, we've got to innovate more. But then they don't actually understand, well, what does that mean? And it's not surprising because if you just look at our educational systems again in in the U.S., in the U.K. and and, and most of Europe, um, the whole system is there to fill the bottle, fill the child full of knowledge. Um, Very little time is spent helping the children the students to actually be more creative, to think about their thinking, to think about um, innovation as an actual process. So we're doing we're, we're doing um, the, the young of today a, a massive disservice because what they really need is not knowledge. There's plenty of knowledge. You can find the knowledge quicker than at any point in history. Um, mm-hmm. What you need are the skills to create new knowledge. And, and I think this is where organizations and businesses are starting to think, well, okay, how can I give my, my team, myself, um, the capabilities that they need? So when we say we have to innovate, we can really do it and not just say the word. 
So you talk about embedding creativity into businesses' daily routines. So so moving from young people to those of us who are no longer so young, um, how do you do this? How do you embed it in daily routines? To embed it in a daily routine, it has to become a behavioral change. Um, Again, I go back to that, that point that innovation isn't an event. It's a continual process. And it all starts with... Um, the environment, the mindset, and the learning opportunities that you give to yourself and your team. Um, People do not understand the value of the right environment. Um, The right environment is not colorful seats and pool tables. Um, The right environment is an environment which allows people to feel relaxed, um, to actually feel comfortable so that they can daydream with focus because daydreaming is the most powerful tool that they've got. The mindset side of things, uh, every leader should be constantly drumming into their team that anything is possible. If, if your organization and the individuals within it can have an anything is possible mindset uh, at all times, anything really is possible. Um, Unfortunately, most organizations are held back by all of the assumptions that are in that organization. And in terms of the learning, that's where it comes from the need of organizations today to spend some time helping their teams to understand what it means to be creative, to overcome cognitive bias, um, and to actually put into practice processes that help along that whole sort of journey. You know, as I'm listening, one of the things that comes to mind is something we do personally, um, uh, my uh, life partner and I, Mike, is this uh, imagine exercise, so the John Lennon song. Mm. And when we walk to uh, breakfast on Saturday mornings, it's kind of our time to set aside for imagine what we can do, imagine what we can create, imagine what's possible And it could be anything from what's our legacy to what do we want to be like as a couple to what's the project we're working on. And it is interesting when you remove the barriers of what's practical today to what's possible as an aspirational dream. Once, Once we see it, it's amazing how the process seems to the process of how our brains work seem to align it. You know, I'm so, so pleased to hear you say that because most people don't have the confidence to see that as um, an actual activity that one needs to purposefully carry out. Uh, The thought for a lot of leaders of telling their team to take time out, to take your shoes off and uh, just kick it back and just do some focused thinking and daydreaming on a problem just doesn't happen because people like to see people busy, but busy does not mean productive. If you just look at the great inventors of the past, um, they, through a series of thought experiments, a fancy word for daydreaming, were able to come up with, uh, you know, gravity from Sir Isaac Newton. Um, Thomas Edison, and uh, you know, he, he invented the light bulb because his daydream was, how do I light up the whole world? I mean, Albert Einstein, he came up with the 
theory of relativity just through imagining it. So, it, you know, it just goes on and on. So cr- creating um, a framework where people can have that time to think is vitally important. And leaders need to be confident to both give themselves time to do that and actually make their team take that time out. And yet our days aren't programmed to make that happen. No, and technology is not programmed to make that happen. In fact, it makes everything run at a faster pace. So unless you put some strategic thinking and controls around the way that you operate, you become a puppet to the environment around you. And that's a really dangerous situation to be in. Chris, we're going to go on break now. I encourage our listeners as as you are listening to commercials to think about where is your mindset? Where are you taking time to imagine what's possible? And Chris and I will be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back. You are with... Chris Griffiths and Maureen Metcalf, and we are talking about Chris's book, Creative Thinking Hand. 
book, The Step-by-Step Guide to Problem Solving in Business. And Chris is the founder of Open Genius. We're going to now jump into segment two and talk about some of the approaches Chris has uh, created and written about. So you talk about the best ideas of using a whole brain approach. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more what whole brain approach means to you? Well, there's a lot of talk, Maureen, about left and right brain. And uh, you see a lot of people talking about creativity and saying we've got to be more right brained. Um, Now, Dr. Roger Sperry's work on left and right brain back in the 60s that won him the Nobel Prize um, is still very valid. Some people say that it's just popular psychology, but it's not. It's, it, it is very valid. But what, what we're trying to get at when we're talking about the innovation process is that you have to have a whole brain approach to your innovation to give it the best chance of success. Because let's just think about this. Innovation is the marriage between creative thinking and logical analytical thinking. When you combine those two things together, you get um, a very calculated form of creativity that it gives you a direction to follow. I think the best way to to imagine this is to look at it uh, metaphorically. Um, If you were a sprinter and you could run the 100 meters in 10 seconds flat, And all of a sudden, I said to you, right, the next race, you have to hold your right leg with your right hand and run the race. Do you think you would be half as effective or less than half as effective, Maureen? Less than half as effective. Exactly. You'd be less than half as effective because you'd be falling flat on your face. And this is exactly what happens in business today is they attempt to do an innovation exercise, brainstorm, whatever you want to call it. Um, But because they're not using whole brain thinking to do it, they fall flat on their face and then it hurts and they wonder why they wasted their time. We get so many people contacting us saying, Chris, look, we do the brainstorming, but we're still not solving what we want to solve. What's going wrong? And when I look at their process, I see there isn't one. They haven't got that whole brain approach. So I, I guess to summarize that, it's putting balance. It's the balance between creative thinking and analytical thinking. And that's what we've tried to achieve by putting together the processes in in the book. You know, I love the idea that creativity is not relinquished to those people, whoever those creative people happen to be, the unicorns, Um, but that it is the combination of the brainstorming we all do and the logical thinking. And and cultivating both seems critical. Um, There's some really interesting science behind this because some of the um, some of the sports or activities that one may consider highly analytical and logical um, actually produce some of the most highly creative people. So, for example, um, good chess players are very logical and, and very analytical Great chess players, grandmasters in their field, um, actually tend to be far more creative and analytical at the same time. But they're more creative. And what that allows them to do is play the game in a different way. And that manifests itself through their ability to imagine the moves um, 10, 20, 30 moves in advance. So they're using their creativity to win an analytical game. It's, it's, It's a really fascinating science. 
So were they more creative to start with or does building the analytical brain connect? And I'm thinking of musicians as well, that the best musicians happen to be very mathematical. Yeah, that's a really good example, because, I mean, if if we look at a musician, we would say that they are right brain, they are highly creative. But if you just look at what music is made up of, is music, does music consist of numbers? Yes, it does. Does music consist of lines? Of course it does. Does music consist of sequence? Of course it does. Is it repetitive? Yes. So you start looking at it and you think, gosh, hang on a minute, music is a left brain activity. Well, no, it's not, because all the great musicians are combining the creative brain and the analytical brain together to create something amazing. Um, And and I think that's a really uh, important part of um, an innovation process is that you have to find balance. You can't be overly optimistic. You can't be too negative. You have to find balance in the tools and processes that you use. So on that, to build on that then, and, and the idea of finding balance, why is it important to generate multiple ideas and solutions for any given problem? Um, there's a lot of research that shows that uh, quantity of ideas is extremely important. You, you, you need to have quantity of ideas. Um, it's quite logical when you think about it, because if you are... Um, actually ideating and only coming up with a few ideas, you're not actually ideating. You're not brainstorming. What you're doing is trying to evaluate the ideas that you're generating at the time, and that's why you're only coming up with a few of them. You're starting to think, before I present this idea, do I think it would work? You need to remove that form of thinking when you're in an ideation stage. You have to literally uh, use a a free-form ideation technique to get as many ideas out there as possible. You then need to build on those ideas. Um, We use a a technique which – is great fun, but extremely powerful. Um, I think it was Socrates said there's nothing more serious than a child at play. And we like people to be serious. So we want them to play, but in a meaningful way. And we break uh, brainstorming down into three stages. Stage one is where you generate the most obvious ideas. Um, These are the ideas that are sensible. Stage one is the stage that most people will stop at. They will never go any further because when they get to stage two, which is where the ideas start to become a little bit outlandish, they're weird, um, they're wacky ideas. Everyone starts saying, look, this is silly. Let's not waste any more time. Let's focus on the ideas um, that we've just come up with before. But if you can push through that and go through that weird and wacky uh, sort of stage, you end up with a, a large quantity of ideas. And then it's the third stage that gives you the win, because the third stage is where you combine the weird and wacky ideas with the sensible ideas from stage one to come up with something that's meaningful, that's new, that's unique, and actually can be made to happen. So it sounds like it's the wacky ideas that my brain, as a participant in this process, will try to synthesize, and it's that process of my brain trying to make sense of what's what's out there that actually creates the best ideas. It, it, it is, and um, when we're formulating ideas in our brain, what we're essentially doing is creating new connections, um, new neural pathways are being formed. So when you're taking an idea that may seem a little bit outlandish 
but connecting it to an idea that seems sensible, there's usually a connection that can be made. And asking a lot of what if questions tends to lead people to some form of insight that leads to something more new and innovative than otherwise they would have had if they just stuck with the sensible ideas in the beginning. Cool. So again, you're making a strong case for sticking with the process. Yes, absolutely. So let's move on to the next. You introduce a profiling tool called Decision Radar. What are the five factors that help assess decision-making skills? Uh, yeah, we've, we've got a, a tool and, and, you know, it's free to use. Anyone, anyone can take the, uh, the, the, the test. Um, if you go to www.thinking.com, Dot space, so it's thinking dot space. Um, there's a, a profiling tool that you can use that will assess how uh, well you can make decisions, and it, it basically will break it down into five different areas. Um, there are lots of good profiling tools that are out there, but there's very few that specialize just in um, helping you ascertain what your uh, decision-making ability is. And you you break it down into five steps, essentially, which is um, how well you can understand the challenge. Um, uh, You'd be surprised if you take the profiling test. That's where most people fall down. Uh, Understanding and defining a problem is very difficult unless you go through a a step-by-step process to help you um, see things clearly. Uh, Your ability to be uh, creative and innovative is measured. Uh, Your ability to evaluate and analyze ideas. Now, um, innovation is not just about coming up with ideas. It's about making them happen. So another key area is direction. How good are you at leading uh, an idea from inception to delivery? It's not how good are you as a leader. The profiling tool doesn't measure that. It just tries to ascertain as an individual, are you capable of taking an idea from the beginning to the end? And there are a lot of ways that you can do that. You don't have to be a manager. You don't have to be a natural leader to do it. And then finally, the um, overriding um, area that they will look at is your ability um, to understand your reasoning skills when it comes to decision making. And what that essentially is, is your ability to overcome um, your cognitive biases that are just playing games and destroying your ability to be creative. I, I like that last one. And, and I'm assuming it, it is looking at all kinds of limitations that I might place on myself or on my team because of my habits. Yeah, it, it is. And, um, you know, there are there are uh, three that are particularly dangerous when it comes to uh, decision making and, and sort of innovation process. Uh, it's being too selective in your thinking. So uh, a selective person is always looking for confirming information. They're not balanced. Um, they have selective attention, which means they only see what they want to see. It's a very dangerous place to be in, but it's something that's very easy to overcome with the right tools. Um, Another area would be people are too reactive, so they just react to what's going on uh, basically in in the external environment. If you're reactive, it means you're a follower. You can never be a leader if you're reacting to what your customers are saying, to what your um, competitors are doing. Yes, you've got to listen and watch what those 
um, segments are doing, but you also have to be proactive and actually come up with ideas and suggestions and solutions that they're not asking for. So a reactive thinker is typically somebody that's just running around um, getting loads of things done all the time. They look like the hero in the organization, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're great at uh, putting forward an innovation program process. And then finally, the, the, the last area it, that we really like to make people aware of um, is uh, assumptive thinking. It's how good are you at challenging the assumptions that are forming the box around your thinking? So when people talk about thinking outside of the box, what is the box? The box is actually your assumptions and your beliefs that limit your ability to think outside of it. So again, by using the right tools, asking the right questions, motivating people in the right way, you can remove that box. I love the idea that you define what creates the box so that we can move outside it. So we have about three more minutes in this segment. Let's move to Solution Finder. What is that? Well, the Solution Finder is 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 a summary of everything that we've been talking about. Uh, we've created a series of tools that will help you overcome challenges, um, uh, actually implement, implement an innovation process, uh, overcome a problem. And we take you through those steps that, that I was just uh, explaining. So uh, the first area would be to make sure that you really understand uh, what your problem is. That's the most important stage. Of, of all the stages in the innovation process, Process, understanding what the problem is, reframing it, restating it uh, is just vital because if you solve the wrong, pro- the wrong problem, you're not going to achieve what you really want to achieve. Um, we provide uh, the tools to help people uh, brainstorm in an effective way. Lots of people think they know how to brainstorm, but they actually don't. There are some simple um, um, best practice uh, sort of um, Uh, strategies that you can use and you should use. Um, Then the third part of the solution finder is how do you evaluate the ideas? We've we've come out with all these great ideas, but how do we evaluate them without falling into a logical thinking trap? So how can you evaluate using heart and head, but in a measurable way? Uh, And again, that's what we've, we've helped, we help people do. And then uh, lastly, it's, um, it's the direction And, and direction actually fits across all of those areas because to be a good leader in terms of innovation, um, it really starts from the beginning um, all the way through to the end. So it, it, it's even though we put that at the end of the book, uh, it's an understanding of how to lead teams to be more innovative, uh, which is across all of those stages. So how is leading innovative teams different than leading traditional teams? I think innovative teams are teams that can work with a different mindset and with a different set of tools and have far more control over their own thinking. Um, Henry Ford said it so well when he said that thinking is the hardest work there is, which is why so few of us engage in it. Um, (laughs) A highly innovative team understands that if they uh, use the right tools, if they question themselves, if they help the learning process uh, in terms of helping people understand, well, what are cognitive biases? How can we be more effective uh, when we brainstorm? Um, It's all about metacognition, which is putting a a strategy behind your thinking. Uh, Doing that study after study has shown organizations that do that are far more successful. 
And I assume with that is creating a culture where innovation can actually happen. Absolutely. I mean, the environment, the culture, the understanding that success and failure are not polar opposites, but that failure is just part of the journey towards success. You can't have success without failure. It's not a good thing. It's not a thing to be liked. It's not a thing that you need to be comfortable with. But you do need to understand that if there is no failure happening in your organization, you're not stretching the boundaries. So you're never going to win. Great. Thank you. Perfect to wrap up this segment. So I encourage our listeners during the break to think about what processes do you have in place to ensure that people move beyond their goals uh, toward the areas where they're going to have breakdowns. Most of our organizations really encourage us to be, quote, successful rather than pushing beyond success. Mm. So You are with Maureen and Chris Griffith, and we will be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. You're joining Chris Griffith and Maureen Metcalf. Chris is the author of The Creative Thinking Handbook, Your Step-by-Step Guide to Problem-Solving in Business. 
So we are talking about projects in this segment and also what are the practical tools you can apply to your work. We want to make sure that you walk away with something from this interview that is useful. So Chris, let's start with what is Tech Marina in Wales? Uh, Tech, Tech Marina is our headquarters. It's um, it's a 20,000 square foot building that we purposely designed uh, to create the best environment to help us uh, think uh, and operate. We spent years looking for the right uh, office environment. And whilst we could find uh, many uh, new and impressive uh, office blocks, um, there wasn't anything that really gave us the space, the light, the um, the feeling that we were outside, inside um, to help our mindset where we wanted to be. And I think this is something people quite often get wrong. They, they put less value on the environment than they should do. Now, Tech Marina is, is home to many companies now. Uh, we, we don't use all of the space ourselves, and we find some of the, the most uh, highly creative, innovative companies in the UK here. And uh, it, it's, it's, in, 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 it's, it's just a, a great environment where everyone feeds off everyone else. So there's probably brain research that connects physical space to creativity. Is this something you can talk about? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, I, I think the environment is such an important part of this whole puzzle, and too many organizations give it lip service. So when you start thinking, yes, we've got to create a, um, a brainstorming room, and you paint it green, and you put the grass on the floor, and you, you put the bean bags in, yeah, that's all going to help. But what will help more than anything is actually – um, an everyday working environment where your teams and individuals can feel comfortable. They've got the freedom to move between their desk and open space. Uh, open space isn't necessarily about collaboration. It's about giving them the ability to have thinking time and to be able just to relax, change the environment so that they can start thinking in different ways. Um, it's very hard because people don't, they, they see that as an, a necessary expense, but ultimately um, it's the people that are the most important resource of any, any business. And if you can help them think in a better way, your business is going to be much better. So it sounds like the ability to move between spaces, not just offices, they're all decorated the same. But if I want to change my thinking, I actually change my physical surroundings. Um, yes, it is. It, it, it's finding a space that you're comfortable with so that you can do that. It doesn't necessarily need to be in the office. I mean, the location of the office will be important. If you're in a location where people can go out and just take a walk, I mean, Maureen, where do you get your best ideas? Do you get your best ideas in front of the computer at your desk or do you get it in the shower or when you're going for a walk? Where would you say you get your best ideas? Probably walking, and my neighbors actually find me to be a fairly um, probably unusual person that whenever I do conference calls, I do them walking. If I don't have to be in front of my computer, I'm not because I'm not distracted and I think better. I do walking meetings with clients anytime I can be outside, even in the cold and, and inclement weather, I am. I, I wish more people were like you. When, when I was in my early 20s and I went for a meeting and, and the gentleman I was meeting said, Chris, right, we're not staying here. We're just going to go and walk along the river. That just changed the way I looked at things, um, the, the movement, the energy, uh, the ability to uh, almost 
go into the flow. You're daydreaming as you're as you're communicating. You're less focused because you have so much more um, input, sensory input from around you. It it takes away the control of uh, your sort of uh, your frontal cortex. Your your areas of executive function get pushed to the back of your brain, and it just makes it so much more powerful. Now I know that's not not practical for everyone, but you can do it. You can create. Um, that sense of freedom, uh, the ability to make people daydream without them even knowing they're doing it. And that was, again, uh, one of the reasons we wrote the book was to say, well, how can I do that for my team? Um, They don't even know that that's what they're doing, but the exercise or the activity that they're doing actually puts them into that correct state. You know, actually, as we're talking, there are a couple things that come to mind. One is music, and the other one is my office chair. So I, in one of the rooms where I record, I have a chair that's like a wobbly chair. So I'm, I'm continually moving, e- even though I'm seated. It, it just seems like that movement helps integrate right and left brain hemisphere. It, it does. I mean, it, it categorically does. There's, you know, there's, there's um, no doubt of that. Um, but again, where do most people do their creative thinking? In a boardroom, in front of a conference room table, in front of a, a big screen, sitting down for long periods of time. So, uh, you know, a simple, a simple tip that um, um, people can use just to make their brainstorming much more effective is rather than having long brainstorming sessions, um, have multiple short ones. So don't, don't do four hours, um, don't do half a day, split it up into half an hour segments over the course of eight days. Um, you will find the results are a million times more powerful because several things happen. People are fresh, but one of the key ingredients here is they have time to incubate the ideas. After each mini brainstorming session, they incubate and it grows. The next session happens, it grows again. And this is a really important point because by doing it this way, they're incubating it individually. They're not letting others influence their thinking, which is what happens when you have a group uh, sort of four-hour, eight-hour strategy meeting, brainstorming meeting. They are just uh, so ineffective compared to the way it could be run. So is the morning better or is it late in the, later in the day where I leave and have time to, to process outside of work? Um, there, there, are, there are two. Uh, well, the good news is it's, it doesn't matter. In the morning, you're fresh. Um, that means you can focus. But focus isn't necessarily a good thing. When you're, when you're brainstorming in the ideation phase, you don't want to focus too much. You have to be directed, but focus actually um, diminishes your ability to, to, to be creative. Um, at the end of the day, you're very tired. So you're exhausted. Now, people will say you don't do your creative thinking at that that point because your energy level is low. But you've got to think about this seriously, because uh, when you're tired, you can't focus. When you can't focus, it means that your brain is actually wandering. If you can use that to your advantage, it's amazing how much more creative you can be. So I I know people that have taken that to extremes where they've used uh, sleep deprivation to improve their creativity. Again, there's so many uh, sort of examples from history of people that would um, actually almost put themselves into uh, uh, a sleeping state. They would let their mind wander until they 
fell asleep, as soon as they wake up, they would write down what notes they had. So um, it's one of the things I do personally, actually. So if I've been traveling um, and I come into the office and I'm absolutely exhausted, I won't do any activity that requires focus. Um, I'll actually uh, look to the activities which need me to be a bit more creative because my uh, conscious mind is so tired it, it can't get focus, whereas my subconscious mind is quite happy to go along and daydream. Um, it, it, people tend to have it the wrong way around sometimes, but it, it can be a, a tool that you can use to your advantage. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I mentioned I do a lot of walking, and so I'm um, one of those people who is somewhat controlled by her Fitbit. So if I'm short of steps in the end of the evening, I'll go for a long walk. And it's interesting. My intent is always to come home and go to sleep. But (laughs) so often I come home and my brain is full of ideas and I sit down and work for another hour or two, (laughs) which makes the morning less focused also. But it, it is interesting how that, to your point, tired and then adding an exercise of walking and and for me in the dark is helpful because there is less to distract me and it, it allows my brain to just really kind of race around and come up with things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The New Scientist magazine wrote a really uh, interesting piece on this whole thing. I think the piece was headed Vacant Mind, Busy Brain. And uh, it was about the science of understanding why people like to daydream. Uh, and they were trying to look at which areas of the brain shut down when you daydream because you feel re-energized afterwards. But interestingly, they found the opposite thing actually happened. So when you daydream, your mind goes into overdrive. Um, Yes, your areas of the brain that deal with decision-making and executive function start to close down, but the areas that deal with memory and the connections of memory, uh, they just fire up incredibly. So uh, whilst you might think that you're taking it easy by daydreaming, what you're doing, in fact, is creating a very busy mind, and that's where people get real sort of new insight from. So on the on the space of new insight, what other tools do you want to make sure our listeners walk away with? Um, I, I mean, if if any of your listeners would like to find out more about what we're doing at Open Genius, you'll be able to uh, find out about the uh, tools and techniques, the books. Uh, the training side. And I think one area that uh, people will find very interesting is the technology tools that we have developed to support this. Uh, Our tool, AOA, is the world's first true innovation tool. It's a a software app that actually allows you to do your creative thinking and turn that creative thinking into action. Uh, So if anyone's interested, uh, please go to um, opengenius.com or aoa.com, which is A-Y-O-A.com. Is it in an app so I can walk and do it? It is, yeah. It, it's, um, it, it's an app. It works on Android. It works on iOS, um, and it, it works across the web. So wherever you are, you, you'll be able to do your thinking and uh, communicating and collaborating. So we have a couple of more minutes. Will you tell us a little bit more about the tool and for our listeners, why is this something they should consider? Um, I think it's something that it's been um, sort of a goal of mine for 
the last two two decades. Um, as somebody that's really interested in technology, I also understand how technology can actually hinder creativity and how it can hinder productivity. So at its most basic uh, level, um, productivity is not made better by software products that help you get your tasks done faster. Just think about that. Productivity is not made more effective by using tools that help you get your tasks done better or quicker because if you're doing the wrong tasks, um, all it does is help you complete the wrong tasks quicker. And we wanted to change that that whole that whole um, paradigm. We didn't want to ask the question, how can we help you get your work done quicker? We, we wanted to find a way we could use technology that would answer the question, how can we help you do the things that you should be doing? And this is really where AOA as an innovation tool came from. And it's got a combination of uh, mind mapping in it, which is the, the brainstorming side of the tool, Uh, It's got a very visual form of task management, which is very fluid so that you don't get too stuck into um, non-realistic linear project management. And then it has all the collaboration that goes with it. And what makes it uh, very unique is that it does the job that many tools would would need to, to, to be owned to do the same thing. And, and, and that creates friction. It creates pain when you've got to have lots of different apps running to mm-hmm. do your thinking, to do your emails, to do your chat, to do your video conferencing, to do um, your, your, your personal planning. Having your information spread across multiple apps means that it gets dispersed and it loses context. With AOA, it's all together. So it just makes it just so much easier and you can spend more of your time doing the thinking and doing rather than looking and searching and finding. Um, So looking forward rather than looking backwards. It's something that's really new. There is nothing like it in the world today. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of what the team has has done. Uh, And, you know, if if people are interested, I'd love them to take a look at, uh, at, at, at AOA. So, Chris, as we wrap up, can you just give us the uh, web address for AOA, for Open Genius, how to find your book? Yeah, I'd be delighted. Um, the web address for Open Genius is, is what it says. So it's um, opengenius.com. The uh, books can be found uh, on amazon.com and amazon.co.uk. And if you're interested in the the software, if you go to aoa.com, which is A-Y-O-A.com, you'll be able to try it for free and and see see how you and your team get on with it. Fabulous. Thank you for making all of this available to our listeners and for making resources available for free for those who, frankly, can't afford to um, hire us. So in summary, traditional problem-solving approaches are reactive, usually only happening in response to a crisis or as a consequence of market research. Brainstorming sessions might generate ideas, but the ideas seldom take hold because the creative process is seen as separate from our daily work. Only by embedding creativity within daily routines can breakthrough ideas emerge. So Chris's book, creative, The Creative Thinking Handbook, your step-by-step guide to problem solving in business, will inspire those who want to make decisions, develop new ideas, and bring about positive change in a way that is practical and realistically approachable. 
The book is filled with methodologies, exercises, and tools that will take readers out of their comfort zone and help them master their biases. So Chris talked several times about implicit bias and assumptions. It will help us recognize when those are in play and correct our thinking or make it clearer um, as well as constructive and creative. So for our listeners, thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your comments either at info at innovateleader.com or on Facebook, Innovative Leadership Institute, or on LinkedIn. If you are a listener to the show, please send me a message and connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, would love to hear your comments. And thank you, Chris, for being such an amazing guest. Thank you. Really enjoyed talking with you, Maureen. And for our listeners, we hope that you enjoyed this segment and we look forward to connecting with you in the near future. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.